Welcome back to the Grand Valley Church Podcast, a community of faith in Brandon, Manitoba. We hope this message helps you meet Jesus and grow in faith. So I mentioned earlier, we're in a message series that we began last week called Simple Church. And the reason we're doing this series is that sometimes church can feel complicated or complex, especially if maybe you're new here, maybe this is your first time here. We want to say an extra special welcome. Thanks for choosing to be here with us. But you come into a building you're maybe not familiar with and you stand together and we sing and maybe you don't know the songs and you're like, well, what, what, what is this all about? And so we're doing this sermon series, Simple Church, because we believe that church can be simple, that following Jesus doesn't have to be complicated or complex or hard to understand. In fact, following Jesus can be easy. And so that's what we're talking about in this series, and we're focusing on four things that everyone can do, four simple things that help us understand our faith and why we do this. But there's a foundation under all of it. It's a foundation we started with last week, and I'm going to keep repeating through this series. The foundation under this whole series is this simple truth. God loves you. That's a message that we often need to hear more often than we do because sometimes it's a message that even though we think of like, oh yeah, yeah, I know that, but do we actually understand it? Do we actually dig into this truth that God loves you? No matter what you've done, no matter what your life is, there is no way that we can separate ourselves from God's love. There's no way we can push his love for us aside. And at the same time, there's no way that we can earn God's love either. It's freely given to us. And we may think that because of what we've done or something in our past that it's, it's too difficult for God to love us. But the message of scripture is clear over and over and over again that God loves us no matter what we do, no matter what we've done, no matter who we are, because God desires a deep relationship with us. And in fact, John, one of Jesus' disciples, late in his life was writing letters to churches to encourage them. And he writes this in 1 John 3. He says, see how very much our father loves us for he calls us his children, and that is what we are. See, God's love for us is so strong and so much that he doesn't want to leave us where we were at when we encountered him. No matter what's going on in our lives, no matter what place we are when we reach out to God, God is always calling us closer to him because he doesn't want to leave us where we were. And in fact, the freedom that we experience in God's love calls us to pursue him as he is pursuing us. And that's what we started with last week, with this first simple thing where we said everyone can grow. That our walk with God is about growth. It's not about staying where we are. It's not about like growth in the terms of like there's levels or something to, uh, to reach or, or kind of gain. Our growth is about being on a constant journey that takes us closer to God because that is God's desire for us, that we would be on a constant journey that takes us closer and closer to God so that our lives start being transformed, that as we follow God, we start to act more like God. We start to model who Christ is. We start letting the Holy Spirit work in our lives, shaping us and transforming us, because that is the journey of growth that God calls us towards. But today, before we launch into what our topic is today, I want to ask this question, and this is maybe a bit of a vocabulary definition thing, but just to make sure and to allow us to get on the same page together— what does the word church mean? When you actually look at that, what does the word church mean? Because there's a few ways we can interpret it. Sometimes we see the word church and we think it's a building. We think as we drive by 18th Street, we say, oh yeah, that's the church on the hill, as, as we often get called, because we're the church on the North Hill. And we think that, well, maybe church is the building, it's the place. But 
That's not really it either. And sometimes we think that church is an event. We say, well, I go to church, that it's something we do together. And that's true, we gather together, but that's not the core of this word because the truth is there's 168 hours in every week. And if we think that one hour on a Sunday is going to be enough for us to grow in our walk with God, for us to encounter his love, for him to do the work that he wants to do in us to bring healing and restoration, well, we're kind of kidding ourselves because one hour isn't enough. In fact, there's a third definition and one that I think is a whole lot better and gets back to the word that Jesus used to describe the church in the New Testament, where he talks about the church as the people who reveal Jesus. In fact, the the Greek word that Jesus uses when he talks about church is ekklesia, which when we translate to English means an assembly gathered for a purpose. It's people that are gathering together for a purpose. And that purpose is the mission, the commission that God gave to the church to proclaim his love, to reveal who he is, to go through the world and be his witnesses, telling people about God's love for them. The church's mission is not to build buildings. You know, we have a building because it's a tool and because we live in a climate where we can't meet outside all the time. You know, wouldn't it be nice to all move somewhere that was tropical and we could just meet outside all the time? You know, in a couple months, you might agree with me even more. But uh, the building is just a tool that serves our purpose of proclaiming God's love. And even the event, the gathering on a Sunday is not the purpose of the church. Now, it's a great opportunity. It's a time where we hope that you encounter Jesus, that we create an atmosphere, an environment where you can connect and engage with God on a weekly basis. But we also know that that's not enough, that our faith requires us to be putting effort into this daily, not just one hour a week. And so the gathering isn't the purpose why the people are here. The purpose why the people, why the church gathers is to reveal who Jesus is. That's our mission. That's our heart. That's our call. That's why we say it every single Sunday when we talk about being a church that leads people into a growing relationship with Jesus. And that's what leads us to our simple thing for today. Because our simple thing for today is this. Everyone can find community. In fact, sometimes you might have heard me say the term where I refer to our church as a community of faith because it helps us remind ourselves that we are a community that is based on faith, that is based on who Jesus is, that's based on what God has done for us and revealing that hope and that love and that purpose to people. Because everyone has a desire for community. In fact, everyone has an implanted desire because we were made in the image of God to have a longing for community, to have a longing for connection with other people. In fact, if we didn't have a longing for connection with other people, all of humanity would be nomads and hermits. And as, just as a species, we would not have gotten very far if we were all hermit, hermits and nomads. See, God implanted this desire in all of us to have a need for community because God himself has a need for community. We talk about God existing as the Trinity, as Father, Son, Holy Spirit, not three separate entities, but one God in three persons. And God himself has this internal relationship with himself that spills over into his desire to have a relationship with each one of us. And that is why God is relational and why he calls us, his people, to be relational and why all of us have this desire for community. But this desire for community, I want to break it down into kind of two halves that we're going to explore and we're going to look at scripture and how this applies to us is this, that everyone desires community where they can belong and where they can be known. 
Now, belonging is to feel part of a group, to feel part of something that is bigger than ourselves. We all look for a tribe, a group of friends, a community. We look for something that is actually part of what helps give us identity. In fact, sports teams understand this. Why do you think sports teams do so much on marketing their merchandise with their logos, with whatever color of football jersey you're going to wear and put on? I'm sports agnostic, so I have no card in this game. But if you think about it, teams know this. It's not just about that they sell merchandise to make money. It's about building an identity. It's having your identity is this team that you are a part of. See, everyone longs for that belonging. Everyone longs for that belonging. And in fact, that verse that I read at the beginning, I'm going to go take us back to it because John talks about this belonging in that verse. He says, see how very much our father loves us for he calls us his children. When we read that verse, sometimes we focus on, man, it's so great that God loves us the way a father loves their children. But do we understand what John is getting at is that we are God's children. That is not just a statement of love. That is a statement of family. That is a statement of community. In fact, nowhere in scripture does it mention God has grandchildren. He only has children because he wants a direct connection to each one of us. Some of us maybe have bought into a lie of saying, well, no, I'm not good enough to be one of God's children, or "I'm I'm not close enough to him, or I'm separate from who God is. And if you read this verse and you think in the back of your mind somewhere, no, that can't be true. God can't call me his child. I want you to recognize that as a lie that that is not truth, that that is a lie that needs to be replaced with the truth in the first half. See how much our Father loves us. If we are sitting here and we're thinking, no, no, God can't love me the way a father loves a child, we need to renounce that. We need to toss that aside because this is how God meets our need for belonging, is by calling us his children, by calling us to be close to him the way a father loves their child. See, our need to belong. Every desire that God implanted in us as part of who we are as humans, God has given us ways to meet that need. And so our need to belong is fulfilled by our relationship with Jesus and by finding community with other people. God implanted those desires in us for a purpose and for a reason. And so belonging, having a sense of belonging is what part of what drives us to find community, to search for it, to need it. But I said there's a second half of this. There was everyone has a desire to belong. That means for us to be part of something bigger than ourselves. But we also have a desire to be known. And being known by others is the difference between a friendship and being a follower. Now, you might be thinking, wait a second. Jesus said to his disciples, come follow me. And today in our world, that term follow often makes us think of social media. You know, we can have people that we follow on social media, on Instagram or Facebook or whatever social media platforms you are on, there are people that you can follow and you can know a lot about them by reading their posts, by seeing what they post, what they share, what they, how they describe things. We can feel like we know a lot about someone and they may be really good at engaging with their followers and make you feel like you're part of a community. But that person who you follow at a distance on social media has no idea who you are. We follow them, but we're not friends with them. And we might think, well, wait a second. Jesus said to his disciples, come follow me. Well, 2,000 years ago, social media didn't exist. I think if Jesus was calling his disciples today, he may not have used the term follow because Jesus wasn't just looking for Instagram followers and Facebook likes. He was actually looking for his disciples to walk with him on a journey, 
to spend three years with him to be equipped and trained and to understand what Jesus came to do and to teach. See, being known is when other people know who we are, what makes us tick. They know our challenges. They know our struggles. And even in something small and simple, when someone demonstrates they know us, we feel loved and cared for. If you go to meet meet a friend for coffee and they get there before you do and they order your coffee the way you like it, it's something small. But doesn't that make you feel cared for? Because they care about you enough to know even something as small as a preference for how you like your coffee. Being known is a desire all of us have. And so if we want to find community, we actually have to choose it. Community doesn't just happen on its own. Belonging to something, being known by others, won't just happen. It's actually something we have to choose to put effort into. It's something we have to choose to walk forward into. It's something we have to actually pursue together. See, when we go to the beginning of the book of Acts, in the New Testament, there's the first four books that are the Gospels, that are the story of Jesus. And then Luke, one of the writers of the Gospels, he was commissioned to write a second book that was the story of the early church, the story of everything that happened after Jesus was crucified and after he rose from the grave. And so the book of Acts follows what happens in the early church and gives us insight into how the church formed itself as they were figuring everything out for the first time. And I want to take us through a passage found in Acts 2 that is this gold standard of community. This is what it was like at the very beginning of the church as people were coming to faith in Jesus and realizing this is not just about a one-on-one relationship with God. This is about us having a relationship with God that we live out together. And so in Acts 2, starting at verse 42, this is how Luke describes the community that was formed in the early church. He says, All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. That was the the title for the disciples that they were given afterwards. They became apostles, which meant they were messengers of good news. They had the authority to plant churches to proclaim who who God is. And so the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, which means community with a purpose. It's not just friendship. Fellowship means there is a purpose behind it. And to sharing in meals and to prayer. It says, And the believers met together in one place, and they shared everything they had. They sold property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They lived a radical form of compassion and generosity. It goes on, it says, They worshiped together in the temple each day. They met in homes for the Lord's Supper. That means communion. And they shared their meals with great joy and generosity. And each day, the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. This is that gold standard of community that we see at the beginning of the book of Acts. And oftentimes, we read this passage and we kind of romanticize it and we say, oh, wouldn't it be wonderful to be like that, how the early church was? And and we kind of forget that the rest of the New Testament letters were dealing with all the problems that came up in the church because the church is full of messy broken people. All of us have flaws. All of us have character issues. All of us have things that we're trying to work through that we want God to be part of healing and restoring in us. And so we see this picture and we say, oh, that's not the way the church is today. And you know what? That's not exactly how the church was then either, because as people gather together, our messes interfere with each other. And we have to do the hard work of walking together in our faith. We have to do the hard work of how do we actually live this out. And that's what I mean when I say that if we want to find community, we have to choose it. 
Because living in community, living in a community of faith is a choice we have to make to say we will make allowance when other people don't meet that standard. We'll make an allowance when I don't meet that standard. We'll make an allowance to walk together because the purpose we are called to together as a church is more important than any one of us. See, when we think about our faith, and this is something that we see now in our 21st century Western perspective on things, we often tend to think that our faith is meant to be something that's individual. It's just between me and God. But that's not how faith is described in the New Testament because our faith is not meant to be private. It is, though, meant to be personal, which means we have a relationship with God, each one of us, that we have a saving relationship with us. He, God wants us to respond to his love by putting our trust in him. So our faith is meant to be personal, but it's also meant to be communal, meaning it's something that we share with each other. That each one of us, when there are times of need, we walk alongside each other. We help each other through difficult seasons. We walk together. We encourage one another. We help each other shape our lives to model after Jesus and to walk towards him. See, this is the picture of faith that we get in the New Testament. Not private, individualistic, hidden away, but personal and communal. That is where we find what meets our needs to belong and to be known when we live our faith communal. And so then comes the question of saying, well, how do we live this out today? How do we live this out as a church? How do we live this out as a community of faith? Because we can understand all this in theory and say, yeah, it's great to be in relationship with one another. But we always got to break it down to say, well, how do we practically do this? What is the tangible next step for us? And one of the things that I believe helps us is to think about this way, that our desire is not to be a church where everyone knows everyone. Because that is not possible. Even in a room this size, it is not possible for any one of us to sustain that many deep and caring relationships. We will not be able to know everyone. And we actually sometimes have to make peace of that because often we feel like we want to. It's like, I need to know everyone. I need to be on a first-name basis with everyone. I need to know what's going on in everyone's lives. And it's like, but do you really? Because actually what our desire is could be met in something way better than that way better than running around trying to know everyone, is that our desire is to be a church where everyone is known by someone, where everyone has a group that knows them well. That is the heartbeat. That is a sustainable goal. That is a goal that doesn't have us running around like crazy. That is a goal that has us choosing to live our lives with a group of people. And so at our church here, we have two ways that we do this. We call them serve groups and life groups. A serve group is a way of getting to know with people that you serve with, that you choose to volunteer with by joining one of our ministry teams. It's not just about putting on a service or it's not just about what the team does. It's actually about being in relationships with the team. And we're going to talk about that more in two weeks' time. So I'm going to set that one aside for right now. But the second one is life groups. And you've been hearing me talk about life groups a lot because we have our group link event coming up because we have an opportunity that we don't want you to miss out on to join a life group and to find a group that knows you. And so life groups are groups of about 8 to 12 people who commit to meeting together regularly for about 18 to 24 months. It is a commitment that we make of saying we're going to invest in each other's lives for a time period. 
that it's a commitment to invest in each other's lives spiritually means we're going to, when we meet, we're going to have intentional conversations about faith. We're going to have intentional conversations that will help us grow deeper in our walk with Christ. And one of the ways we do that, each group can choose to study something or to work through something, but every single week we put out discussion questions based on the previous Sunday's message. So if you're saying, well, how do we go further on this topic? That can be the starting point of a group to say, let's have these spiritual conversations. But more than that, it's a group to care for one another, to share what's going on in your lives, to know what's going on, to pray for one another to walk together for this time period of committing to live with one another. And in fact, for, for, for me and, and Nikki, last year we actually did something different where instead of us leading a group, we joined a group. And it has been awesome. It has been so life-giving. It has been so nurturing. It has been so encouraging to be part of a life group. And so the way we do our life groups here is we launch a bunch of groups together at the same time. So right now, this past year, we had 46 people that committed to regularly be in different life groups. And I was so excited about that. And I had a goal in my mind. I kind of had this, like, I was prayer to God of saying, you know, God, I want us to hit 60 people. I think we can hit that. I think we could have 60 people in it. And so for the last few weeks, you've been hearing me invite you to sign up to, for GroupLink, to sign up for a life group. And guess what? You've already passed that goal. And so it's like, okay, my goal wasn't big enough. Because we already have 17 people that have signed up saying, I want to be in a life group. I want this kind of relationship that will nurture and grow my faith where we can belong to one another, where we can be known by one another. And so if you want to join or to lead a life group, I want to encourage you to sign up for GroupLink. And I say join or lead because we actually need more leaders. We need people who are willing to lead these groups. And you don't need a lot. You need a place to meet and be able to read questions off a piece of paper. It's a really you know, low bar of entry. It really is. Because when you choose to lead a group, you're choosing to invest. You're choosing to just say, it's not about you're there to suddenly care for this group. No, as a leader, you're just there to facilitate, to draw everyone together. And the group cares for the group. It's not all on one person or one couple's shoulders. It's about doing this together. So how do you sign up for GroupLink? So GroupLink is an event that happens this Thursday. And so what I want to encourage you to do is you can even pull out your phone right now. I won't be offended if you're on your phone. Pull out, go to mygrandvalley.ca slash groups. Or if you just go to mygrandvalley.ca, hit the in the loop button in the top corner, and you'll see the link to register for group links on there. But what we do with group link is when you register, you tell us this is my schedule. This is, you know, approximately where I live for what part of town you're in or if you're out of town. These are the nights of the week that I could join a group because we ask our groups to make either a weekly or biweekly commitment to meet, you know, the group that we're in meets every Wednesday at 6.30. And most of our groups start either 6.37, 7.30. And as a group, you get to decide the schedule that works for your group. And so if you sign up for GroupLink, what I want you to do is come here on Thursday night for 7 o'clock. And we do, you get to meet your life group here at the church. So you don't have this like, am I at the right house? How do I find their place? You just get to come here. You're familiar with this place. You come here, you get to meet your group, and you actually do your first life group meeting here at the church together. And we're going to start you off on a journey called Circle Up. And it's a four-week journey about how to be a life group. And it might seem really simple, but it is so good. 
And so that's what you'll do is on Thursday, come here, do the first part of your first life group meeting here at the church, sitting around a table with your group. And then the following week or the, whatever your next schedule is, that's when you get to connect with your group in the group leader's home. Now, if you're already part of a life group that's continuing, you don't need to sign up. But I do want to challenge you on something, to commit to be there. Because our relationships, our friendships, our community only grows when we have proximity and when we have frequency and when we have authenticity. And so we've got to choose to be around each other. We've got to choose to be around each other often. And we've got to choose to be authentic and real when we meet. To not hold back and hide what's going on, but actually being willing to be vulnerable with one another and share, yeah, this is what I'm struggling with. This is where I need help. Because that's what life groups are for. So here's the hard line. We're closing our group link registration at midnight tonight. So you've got about 12 hours to decide to be in on this. And if you're like, ah, I don't think I want in on this, you're going to have to wait till the next group link event. Because one of the things we do that might be a little different is we actually treat these groups as closed. When a group forms, that group stays together. And we don't add people to that group during the length of their life group. Because we want you to form a tight-knit community with that group. And when you reach the end of that 24-month time period, we ask you to re-sign up for GroupLink, and you're going to get likely put in a group with different people. And that lets you get to know other people, and that prevents our groups from just becoming a little closed click. Because we do believe that groups are just one part of a bigger community that we have together. So that's the challenge I want to give you of saying, are you willing to choose community? And if you're in a group already, we have to ask these questions of ourselves. How will I choose to find community? How will I choose to live out my faith with others? If you're in a group, awesome. That's great. If you're not in a group, what's stopping you? Might be time to sign up. Might be time to choose to commit to live your lives together. To find this sense of belonging. To find this sense of being known that all of us desire and long for. And even if you're like, you know, this is my first Sunday here. I don't, I don't know about this. Take a leap. Sign up for it. Because what you're going to find is going to be beautiful and amazing. And you'll find community unlike any community you'll find elsewhere. And I want to end with going to one last passage of Scripture. Uh, later on in the New Testament, there's a letter called Hebrews. And we don't actually know for sure who wrote it. But we know who it was written to. And it was written to a group of Christians that were considering giving up on their faith. They were thinking about like this whole thing of following Jesus and being like, you know, this is hard. This is difficult. We don't know what to do. We don't know, like, do we really believe that Jesus is who he said he is? And so the whole book of Hebrews is this long letter reminding them of everything that God has done for them, of everything that Jesus did, how Jesus fulfilled all the Old Testament prophecies, how Jesus truly is the Messiah who came to save the world. And then it comes to this point near the end of Hebrews where the author is giving these encouragements and instructions and he says this to them in Hebrews 10, 24. He says, let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good works. Then he says, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage one another. He tells this group, part of why you're finding this so hard is because you're not meeting together anymore. You're going your separate ways. You're not being in a relationship with one another that is encouraging and motivating each other to live out love and to live out good works. 
This is what God calls us to. So let me end with just a prayer. God, thank you that for every desire you implanted in us, that you provided ways to meet those desires. And God, for this deep desire that all of us have for community, for meaning, for purpose, for relationships, for friendships, you desire to meet those needs both through yourself and through our relationships with one another. And so, Lord, as we come to this season of launching new life groups, I thank you for what these groups will mean and what these groups will be for the people who are in them. God, I thank you for the work that you're going to do to help us grow closer to you, the times that we're going to find healing, that we're going to find your love, that we're going to find your presence, we're going to find your grace through how we interact with one another. And so, God, I thank you in advance for what you're going to do in this area. And Lord, for those of us who are on the fence, who are saying, I don't know, would you just give us a nudge? We know that you won't force us to do anything, but we know that you provide opportunities in front of us time and time again. And so, Lord, I pray that we would see this as an opportunity. And God, I know there are people in this room who your tug on their hearts right now is not just to join, but to lead. And so, Lord, I pray that you would give us the courage to choose to lead, to facilitate a group, to gather them together, and to say this is what we're going to do together as a group. God, thank you so much for everything you've done for us and the way that you call us to know you, to know your love, and to know each other. In your name we pray, amen. So pop quiz, when does group link registration close? Midnight tonight. Next week we are continuing Simple Church and we're going to be talking about prayer and communion together. And so folks, I want to invite you to come back here next Sunday at 11. Sign up for group link. See you Thursday. See you next Sunday as well. Have a great week. We hope this message helped you to take the next step in your faith journey. If you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us Sundays at 11 a.m. You can find out more about us by going to mygrandvalley.ca.